0: Father, we thank you so much for um, just your the beauty that um, continues to uh, be ever-present uh, during this time of quietness and snow, and just how just the glorious, exuberant manifestation of your intricate glory um, manifested just through snowflakes, and such a small thing but it just screams and resounds about um, who you are and uh, father we thank you that um, these little dimensions of just creation and life that we are ever reminded of um, that we serve a a God who is um, just beyond all telling that is uh, majestic and high and lifted up and well in unapproachable light seen you and yet father you desire to walk with us and give us all we need for life and godliness through the precious and magnificent promises that you've given to us in your love letter on scriptures father i pray that as we look into your word this morning i pray that you would work in each life that is here father i pray that you would take the conversation that we have, and that you would apply it in each one of our lives. Otherwise, we look at um, the future. We can't help but um, just conclude that um, our, our world is, is 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 exploding towards days that uh, our faith will be a dividing and an alienating component. Whether whether it's in our work whether it's in the friends we have, it's our neighbors. We just want to learn all we can now for then, so that we would be able to be men and women who have um, the glory of God really written across both our faces and our actions, and that it, those would be such that they would draw people to you. They would understand how very, 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 very different we are from our old way of life. That would be winsome, that that would be attractive, that that would be um, compelling, resistible to understand um, understand why. Father, I pray that you would help us not only be be reactive, Father, but proactive with all the opportunities that you give us um, in this coming week. Father, may um, the things we talk about today give us great confidence to speak highly of you to those that are very... um, Testimony in words and actions—something that you things in Jesus' name, Amen. All right. Um, well, last week um, we started looking at uh, how to guard against false teaching by our first um, part of our outline of Second Peter, and this first part of our outline of Second Peter has everything to do with understanding our faith. And uh, I've called it, um, Going Back to Basics, um, and um, are, I've broken it down into three parts. Um, last week was part one. I um, encourage you, if you haven't been able to um, get out on the web, uh, that everything should be out there and you should be able to listen to that. It, it really is formative as far as the foundation of what Peter is, is, is bringing out at, for all of Second Peter, kind of to set the stage. And, uh, I broke the, so last week was our quest, um, and our quest really is, we're going to see to know God. Um, this week will be part two, which we'll look at our journey, and our journey is really about, like, what does, what does God want us to focus on? Like, like if he gave us, like, the seven things, what would they be, <laughs> you know, um, Somebody, some people wonder, like, like, is it that clear in Scripture? Well, I'm, the great news is it actually is in this passage. It's very clear. And then um, next week will be um, our results. And so our results really are um, what? What? How does God actually define success for us? Um, and so I talk about our results and therefore our success. So our quest, our journey, and our results. Um, is how he breaks out chapter 1, verses 2b, through chapter 11. And we said last time that the theme, the major theme of, of Peter is kind of on this right-hand side. He says this second letter in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, Beloved, I now write to you in, in both which I stir, stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you should remember the words that were spoken by the prophets, by Christ, by the apostles. Um, and he's to remind us of those things. So last week in in looking at our quest to know God, um, just a couple, two quick uh, uh, reminders of what we talked about. We looked at um, four parts of this. One was um, our passion and and he says uh, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So our passion really is to know God. And we looked at Jeremiah 9.27, and it says, you know, God's, God's the one speaking. He says, yeah, I delight in these things that you know and understand me. It's like, that's like, cool. Like, that's what God really wants us to be passionate about. He says that's the most important thing to him that he delights in, is to know God. And we looked a lot about, what, is it, what does that look like and mean? And he gives us his sufficiency in verses 3 and 4 here. It says, "...seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. By these he has granted to us his, magnific- his precious and magnificent promises." So his sufficiency breaks into his power. His, his divine power is the one, it's his resurrection power that has given us these things. Okay? Number two is provision. Everything pertaining to life and godliness. It doesn't leave anything out. It's so holistic. It's so all pervasive that it literally, like, sets the stage to say, like, in so many words, like, with all of this, why aren't you becoming all you can be in Christ and knowing God? Why wouldn't you want that? Why don't you do that? In so many words, okay? And so His provision is everything tied to that. Um, and he says, through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. So his procurement, the way in which he has procured this for us, is his own character. His own character called his glory and his excellence. His glory is, 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 the, is the aggregated manifestation of all of the character traits of who God is, manifested in unapproachable unapproach- light. That's his glory. And his excellence is his, his more... Uh, uh, his... Um, his character as as it pertains to the the, the, the greatness of it, and so um, and he says for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so what what the point here is is that like like we only know God because of the scriptures, we can see dimensions of his character based in his creation, but we re- really just we know him personally through his scriptures. And it's his scriptures that he calls precious and magnificent. And precious is like um like like to die for. It's like like uh priceless. Priceless promises. And magnificent are things like like woe, like like stand in awe, like like be be aware of, like like this is amazing that's magnificent, um, and so it's his sufficiency that he has given to us um, in these things, his character, all we need for life and godliness, his the word of God to get us from here to there, and as a result of this, he says, in order that what what is god 's purpose in it in order that by them okay by them by these magnificent promises, okay, and his character, both together, right? You might become partakers of the divine nature. What did that mean for you who were here last week? Anybody? Isn't it pretty presumptuous that we can have become partakers of his divine, of his of the of the divine nature? When you read that, isn't that pretty presumptuous? What does that mean? Think. children of God. Yeah. Isn't it? Isn't it just appropriate that children take on the character of their parents? Isn't it just like appropriate? It's like children of God. Yeah, Amen. Okay, so this is like just becoming more like Christ. That's what that means. That's what it means to become partakers of the divine nature. Because Christ is the is the visible manifestation of God. Right? He says, "I came to interpret God to you as as people." And so, our Manifestation of the Godhead is the second person of the Trinity, and therefore that's why we have um, it's his character and his nature that we can assume and, be, and 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 become more like. And and I'll just suggest I'll put on the table like like look up God in the dictionary and every one of these character attributes of who God is. He is the he is the he's defeated, that's his definition, like that, like love or majesty or glory or you know mercy or, I mean, you just name it. I mean, he is the definition of every one of these attributes. Like it's, it's uh, that's not a good thing. <laughs> um, he is literally the, um, the, the standard of every one of those things so every one of those are part of, our, of, of what God is trying to get us to understand and become more like. And then he says, our part is the bottom line. And this is kind of where we left last time. If you happen to get out of here early, let me make it really clear as to what the Scriptures are really trying to say here. Okay? What he's saying here is having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. And so that's our part to what God has done. But let me, let, let, let me frame it for you uh, if you'll turn there to Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4. He says, um, uh, for these by, he has been granted his precious and magnificent promises in order that by, ve- by, the, by them you might become partakers of the divine nature, and here's where I would insert a word, after having escaped, and the word escaped is to flee from, to have fled from, the corruption that is in the world by lust. Okay, So what he's really trying to say here is, as we passionately pursue knowing God through His precious and magnificent promises, lean fully into the power of His resurrection, Okay, we have everything we need to please God as we decide to turn from the lusts of the world that corrupt and deceive our souls. So as we're in the process of saying no to sin, follow me, we are in, in the process of of becoming more like Christ. It's like those two are 180 degrees difference. And so as we make the decisions in our life to please God, which is where it's the fork in the road in our lives is, is where decisions are, that's, that's where we move forward, and that's how we please God, according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, right? By faith, we please God. Well, faith is a decision of the heart to trust in God. Okay. So by, by as, as we do this, then we are in the process of becoming more like Christ and pleasing God. Any questions on that? Does that make sense? Any observations from last week that you wanted to bring out before we got started this week? Any, anything that kind of reverberated in your mind and heart from last week? I know I talked to a number of you kind of offline a little bit and a lot of good conversation I know one of the thoughts that um, that i 'll throw out there is that um, knowing and walking with God is not the same as um, necessarily um, uh, doing all the right things. Anybody want to build on that thoughts it's your motivation of your heart yes and and there's a, there's there's an experience of intimacy that comes with the, the, the closeness and the fellowship of, of the Lord that is actually it's an experiential um, dimension of our relationship with God that just is communion, it's fellowship, it's closeness. And that is built on, as we looked at last week, the process of beholding God. And we'll, we'll get to more of that. Uh, as we go through um, both this week and next week, but the, but the journey is 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 the encounter to encounter to encounter to encounter, where we behold God in the scriptures, and He becomes evident. You know, and He shows up. He's like He shows up. He tells tells us who He is, and and he tells us who we are. So it's that process. Any other thoughts on that? Makes sense.
1: Just to play a game with it. Uh, it's like. We got two foundations side by side. One foundation you can call sin. The other foundation is godliness. Mm. We're standing on both mm. of them. Mm. As we shift our weight toward God, mm. it has to come off of the sin foundation. Mm.
0: So they're they're directly proportional. Like you can't have both go up at the same yeah. time. <laughs> that, and that's a good way of saying it. A good metaphor. Our weight
1: as much as we can toward the godly side.
0: Yeah, that's a really good metaphor. Any other thoughts? Yeah.
1: I do
2: today.
0: Yes. Yes, I- it does because you're. But what you're what you're saying is like the little decisions in my life to please God or please myself. Let's say um, become harder as you f- go down the down the road. You know, uh, um, harder to change. I'm saying um, it. You know, wh- when we p- choose the harder decision up front, it becomes a little bit easier down the road to continue to go that, the, same, the right direction that we want to go in. Um, good, good good, thoughts. Okay, great. Well, let's jump into um, our journey to become more like Him. So my, uh, the, goal, the learning objective I have for today okay, is to understand what to pursue in our lives to become more like Jesus. The assumption now as we enter into today, based upon last week, is that we want to become more, more like Christ okay in order to please him in order to become more like him uh, and to walk with him M- the premise of today's time together okay takes it to the next step okay then assuming mark you know i checked the box and i really want to do that like i want to move in this direction this is a this is a this is a quest that i want to take which is to become a worshipper of god and be no god okay then, then the next question is well then what do i do what what, what do i focus on fair enough okay Uh, Cheryl, would you read um, chapter 1, 5
1: through 7 here? Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, moral excellence, knowledge, knowledge, self control, your self control, perseverance, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, love.
0: Okay, good. So, I've broken this into two parts. Um, the first part is up above, and it is God's prescription for us. It's His prescription. It says, now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply. Okay? God's prescription. The second part that I've broken down is our pursuit. Our pursuit. <clears throat> so, this is part of the journey. So, now that God gives us the picture, like our pursuit towards what are the things, that I, and, and, and he gives us in this passage seven specific things that we're going to focus on um, in that pursuit. And it's really important for us to understand like what does that look like, and what do these things actually mean, like, and how do I apply them to my life? Okay, Fair enough? Everybody got the picture? Got the frame? Yep. God's um, pers- prescription and our pursuit. So let's start with God's prescription. He says here, now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply these things. So he says, now for this very reason also, what reason is this? What reason is this, do you think? What is the reason he's, he's connecting back to in the text? What is the reason to do this? Thoughts? That
1: we're moving, okay. Promises. Okay. We're moving forward. Yeah. Because of those
0: yeah. That we're moving forward because of the promises. Um, any other ones? Pardon me? Our knowledge. Our knowledge of God? Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, as we're in the process of doing that, you know, focus on these things. Yep. And that He's given us everything, right? Everything for life and godliness, right? So, 3 and 4. Because we've been received everything pertaining to life and godliness, and, and number 4, verse 4, because of these precious and magnificent promises. Um, Those are the reasons um, that he says um, to apply all diligence. Um, Apply all diligence. So, applying all diligence um, is an interesting uh, prescription that God gives us here. So, even though God, through Christ, has granted us um, a perfect salvation, a complete salvation, he comes out and he exhorts us to something. And this exhortation is that we would, as a result of this, and knowing it, that we would like respond to that exhortation, that admonition with everything we have, so his point is like don 't be half hearted about this incredible salvation that we 've just painted the picture in chap in in first peter in first Peter and now in in the beginning of second Peter, like like stand in amazement of it, woe about it, like then therefore it should. Um, it should capture your whole soul as a result of that. It should be like all in as a result of it. Um, so turn with me. Um, we're going to look at quite a few verses in our time together, so get your fingers kind of there. Just always keep your finger in the first Peter if you can, and then we'll flip back and forth. So to begin with, let's take a look at uh, Philippians chapter uh, 2, verses 12 and 13. Philippians 2, chapter 12, verse 12 and Verse 13. And again, if you get it, um, if you would just go ahead and read that for us.
2: So then my beloved, just as you always obey, not as in my presence only, but how much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. God who is, work, is at work in you both to Okay, so
0: this concept of diligence, I want to kind of focus a little bit more on it. It's this I mean, it's this idea of working out your hard. Work it out. Like, you have half of you know after you've come to Christ you have you have a you have a responsibility to work diligently at it to work hard at it um the great news is the, is verse 13 is you know that's the other half of the equation is that you know he says like but god is at work in you okay to will and to do his good pleasure but but he you know his his request of us is to take it seriously like take it like make it a priority like put it top top of top of the radar screen um, in, in your life. Um, Colossians one twenty eight twenty nine. 29 He says, um, And we proclaim Him, admonishing every man, teaching every man with all wisdom, that we may present every man complete in Christ. And for this purpose, He says, I labor, the, the word labor is to, I toil um, to utter weariness and exhaustion. Um, and He says, striving, the word striving comes from the root like, To agonize or agonizing, agonizing, according to his power, in 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 accordance with his, you know, his his spirit, that works in us. Okay, so that's that's what he's talking about here. It's um, it is uh, um, uh, a, a key element here that says like we would respond rightly in our life. So the word applying means to bring in or to supply uh, besides. I'll talk more about that in a second. And diligence here is we are to do what follows with a sense of zeal. A sense of zeal. Um, zeal um, connotes like like uh, urgency, importance. It's kind of like eagerness. I, I'm, I'm all in. Um, I'm, I'm ready to go. Uh, I, I really want to take the hill, um, so to speak. Uh, turn with me to Proverbs four twenty three. Proverbs four twenty three. Okay. So when he says, "Keep your keep or watch over," New American says, "Your heart with all diligence, for for from it flows the springs of life." W- w- what does he mean? I mean. What what does the diligence component of this mean? Does it even have a different translation? Guard, your guard, guard, guard your like like fortify, garrison, fortify garrison, guard, watch over. What what is that? What, why what, what why why spend so much energy, according to the, according to um, Solomon.
1: Like Pastor Mike's example, of bottles and what was inside yep. the bottle. When your heart begins to get corrupted or turn towards dissertation and impaired, away from your selfishness.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it's what's inside. And so his point is like, like it's our hearts that determine our actions. And so like, if you want to please God, then then we have to go down to the, you know, confronting like what's coming into the into the heart, and and deal with things there. And, and like that's the most important thing he says. Like, watch over diligently. So this concept of diligently is like, really uh, a high priority in your life. Like, the m- most important thing. It's like, right.
2: I keep thinking, like, clean your house with diligence. Yeah. You know, don't, <laughs> and I, that's silly, I don't know why things like that go through your mind. You know, it's just like, don't let anything else to distract yeah. you, but focus on yeah, it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And so, <laughs> and so, my my, okay. my definition of this would be like, 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 if I don't do it this way, the glory of God's at stake. Mm-hmm. That's how I think about it. If I don't do it this way, quote, with all diligence in my life, the glory of God's at stake, somehow. That changes everything for me. Like, that, I get that. Like, wow. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so, oh, before we go there, I wanted to uh, look at a couple more verses, because there's a couple, like, Important learnings I've had here. Um, So keep going on Proverbs twelve twenty seven. Okay, prizes his possession, or another way of uh, another translation doesn't so much speak of the uh, prey as much as the how the the how diligence is actually (laughs) a precious possession, kind of a play on the prey kind of thing. very much so. So precious possession. Is that the
1: same man It's saying, like, lazy man doesn't roast his kid to cook it well, he just eats it without even...
0: Right. Doesn't go at it diligently, you know, to, to do it like it should be done. Yeah. Yep. Uh, turn with me to Romans 12. One of the things that um, I was personally um, confronted with in in leadership was this concept of diligence. So turn with me to Romans twelve. Um would somebody read verse um eight?
2: Who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberty, and he who diligence.
0: Okay. Um he who leads, lead with diligence. So what how so so describe for me my, maybe what that might m- mean from an implication perspective as a leader. Because he's saying very clearly, here are, the, here are the gifts, and like as you do these, like do this. like. He doesn't say like, and for mercy, do it with diligence. He talks about leadership, leading. When you lead, lead with all diligence. So what What might that what, help you there? It's
1: a dedication to the, yeah. to the position. Yep. You don't take it half-heartedly.
0: Yep. And you're doing it not for the position, right? But you're doing it for the glory of God, right? So like, let me give you some examples. Like, I mean, this, this, this verse alone, like, day in and day out, um, I make decisions around this verse alone. And what is it? Like, I I like my discretionary time. How about you? But I do. (laughs) Um, but you know, I have, I'm involved in lives too. And so, like, (coughs) like, like, do your, get, perform your ministry with all diligence means that like you, you choose to not uh please yourself you choose to please god by even doing the hard things the tough things things you you'd rather not do fall or equal <laughs> you know i just want to chill for a little bit you know <laughs> or i deserve this i mean you hear all the all the playing of the you know <laughs> song you know voices into your into your heart, right? Yet, he says, lead with all diligence. It means, what that means is, like, don't put things off. Like, when you know the right things to do, do them. Like, do them. Um, that's what he's meaning there. Makes sense? Um, so, with all diligence, and then uh, he says here, supply, um, su- su- supply th- these things. So the word supply, interesting, um, derives from the concept of a choirmaster, master. And, and you're going to say, like, I don't get what that... What do you mean, choir master? So I thought this would be really helpful to read for you something MacArthur says on this. It's, it's uh, quite fascinating. He says, um, This Greek word, so, to supply, okay, comes from the noun k- koregos, which literally means the leader of a chorus. So a choir master, a leader of a chorus. I'm like, I still don't understand. <laughs> okay, And here's, here was the insight for me. And this just like exploded this whole passage for me. It, was, it says, perhaps the greatest gift that Greece and especially Athens gave to the world was, was the great works of men like, I can't even say these, Aeschylus, Sophocles, and Euripides, uh, which are still its most cherished possessions. All these plays, they're plays, uh, need large choruses and were therefore very expensive to produce. Okay? In the great days of Athens, uh, there were public-spirited citizens who voluntarily took on the duty at their own expense of collecting, maintaining, training, and equipping such choruses. It was at the great religious festivals that these plays were produced. For instance, at, at the city of Dionysia, there were uh, there were produced three tragedies, five comedies, and five dithyrams. I don't know what dithyram is, but somebody might hear. Um, men had to be found to provide the choruses for them all. The men who undertook these provision of choruses or these duties out of, did so out of their own pocket and out of a love for the city, That and they became known as Koragai. The word has certain lavishness in it, it never means to equip in any like cheesy or sparing or miserly way. It means to lavishly to pour out everything that is necessary for a noble and a glorious performance. Um, Epi went out into a larger world and it grew to mean not only to equip a chorus but to be responsible for any kind of um, uh, supplying, so to speak. And, it, and, it, and so, um, any kind of equipment um, for the right set of provisions. And it can mean to equip uh, an army, but in this case, it means to equip the soul with all the necessary virtues that are needed for life and godliness. I just found that like, whoa. I had no idea. So God, so turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And this kind of ties to, if you were in our community group last week, um, this kind of ties to that. Ephesians chapter one. Uh, would somebody read um, verse three? So he says, "Blessed us with every spiritual blessing." That's his supply. He supplied us in his lavish love with everything we need for life and godliness. We look down at. Uh, Look at verse uh, six he says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he quote freely bestowed on us in the beloved, look at verse seven in him we have redemption through his blood through the forgiveness of our sins, according to what <clears throat> the riches of his grace, which he what verse eight lavished upon us, yeah, lavishness, so this is that supplying like so in your in your um uh, in your diligence, in your desire to prioritize and make this front and center and the most important in your life, um, lavishly lean into pursuit of these seven things. Make sense? Okay? Gets, gives you a much better feel for like what he's trying to get at. Right? Any thoughts or comments? Okay? <clears throat> so, by, by the way, back here, it's one who willingly and generously or lavishly provides everything we need for a team to do a job. We need to seriously pursue with everything we have um, that uh, which confirms, that which assures, and that's what makes us feel confident in our salvation. What's fascinating is that as we go through these seven um, virtues, he says, like, pour your life into. um, He actually says, like, in doing so, the assurance or confidence of your salvation will be supplied to you immeasurably. Like, it's just going to be... Very clear, very measurable. So I'll come back <laughs> to that in a minute. Mark, yeah. How
2: it's says confident in your salvation. Either have salvation, right, or you
0: don't. Right. But if the single biggest issue I deal with in counseling is the person, are, are individuals who are rescued by God. Um, most of the time, okay. Some are, okay. But most of the time, it the, the big one of the biggest challenges that people struggle with is feeling that way. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not about are they. It's about feeling that way. In fact, John John talks a lot about this. He says, like, like, I'm giving you this information so that you may know that you have eternal life. It's not that you have eternal life, but that you would know it. <laughs> Big difference. Okay? And so that's a key thing. And that's what he's saying here. It's like, as you're in the process of pursuit of these seven things, the, the reverse, back to, What Sheryl was saying, you know, like when you're doing this, okay, the natural outcome of this in a directly proportional way is that is your heart and your soul will be assured to this end. That's what he's saying. I I find it fascinating. It's really cool. So as a result, let's let's get into it. Alright, our pursuit. First one's moral excellence. Moral excellence. This number after each of these is how many times in the scriptures that word is actually used. Okay, so this is only used here in the scriptures one time um, this phrase uses the distinctive word in the classical Greek for virtue virtue in greek uh, in, in, in greek was 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 a very high and lofty term it was like um, it was it was something that was divinely endowed by the gods, so to speak, like it only came from them it didn 't come from us and um and as a result, the outcome was like moral heroism. So they like put these people up as, you know, you know, on stage. You know, like these are the people who, you know, have this. You know, so they became, you know, quote, famous uh, to, due to what they had done, so to speak. Not who they are necessarily, but what they had done. So that like brought it to a high level. It also came to encompass the most outstanding character quality of one's life. Character quality of one's life. And um that could be in 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 our world as believers moral uh, um, <clears throat> moral excellence came to be known as like I'll call it integrity or purity, like like our lives line up with what we say we live for and and, and agree to and, and desire to want to pursue so when that when those are in alignment, like who I am and what I do and what I want to live for, when those are in alignment, moral excellence exists. It exists. Um, last week we looked at Second Chronicles 16.9. You remember that one? He says the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole world, seeking whom He um, would you know, uh, uh, pour His time and energy into, so to speak. And those are ones who uh, desire to um, have their heart completely His. Right? Remember that? So when we talk about it, their hearts be completely His, that's an act of our will. That's a desire that we can just, like put an anchor down today and say, from this day forward, I want to be have my life um, be 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 characterized by um, being completely His. Like, what does that look like? What does that mean? I mean, we could go for um, sessions and sessions to talk about like the application of that in our life. But that's what God says. Like, and I don't know about you, but I want to be one of those men. Those are those people who, who's, who's, whose hearts are, are, are completely his. So, turn with me to uh, Ruth. Ruth is a hard book to find. It's in the Old Testament. It actually lands between um, uh, Judges and Samuel. Ruth chapter uh, 3, verse 11. Would somebody read that for us out loud? Worthy woman. Anybody got a different translation? Noble character. Noble character. Any other ones? Woman of excellence. Woman of excellence. So this is what? That her, her, her life, her actions line up with her character, which line up with her desire to want to please God, right? All those kind of in line. Um, very much so. Um, Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. Psalm 119, 9 through 11. Go ahead and read it. You got it?
1: how can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word I shall Let
0: me stray for your command in my heart but i might not say. okay so 9 and 11 are sandwiches of verse 10 which is how does this happen it's with all my heart that i've sought you go back to chapter or go go back to verse 2 he says for those who seek him with all their heart same thing it's that those people who 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 are in this uh, have moral excellence are the are those who have I have a I have a desire. It's not like they they're perfect, but they have a conscientious like decision of the heart that they want to please God and they want to pursue Him like that. And so their their lives are lining up with that pursuit, if you would. Um, so my question here is like, um, is this your is this your desire in your life? <clears throat> One of the things I've I've learned in in my um, studies of the scriptures is that is that I can know all the right things but you know what if I haven't like anchored down and like like made decisions to do the right things then according to James I'm I'm one who like sees my reflection in you know in the mirror and I, I go away and I, I forget like what that was forget in that fact that I just don't I don't do the right things you know I know the right things to do and so like where are you at personally you know, um, you want to be able to raise your hand and say, I want to be, you know, a, a man or a woman who, who, who God wants to dwell with because my, he, he can see my heart and my heart's fully for Him and Him alone. This is the first one. This is where He starts moral excellence. It's like, this is the beginning um, to know God and walk with Him. <clears throat> okay, the second one is knowledge. Knowledge. Knowledge this is used a lot of times, most of any of these um, words. Knowledge. Um, uh, th- this is not knowledge about the world. It's not knowledge about what's in the world. It's not knowledge that you would pick up going to school. Okay? And you say to me, like, well, if this is so important, why are they teaching me all that stuff in schools? I understand that. I don't know either. <laughs> like if we taught them this, they wouldn't. They, they did, that that would come along for the ride. Um, knowledge. Um, let me give you a different concept of what this means. Uh, I'll suggest it's a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview. Let me explain that better. A biblical worldview. So it's 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 meant to. To refer to knowing divine truth that really only comes from the scriptures, and so it's it's this um, it's this grid by which or colored glasses by which I I, I kind of see things through. I, I, everything happens in our life; it happens to other people, but like how I view what's there ha- has to be. It's either going to be my perspective, or it's going to be um, a, a, a biblical view of that, which, uh, like I said before, is almost always 180 degrees difference. <laughs> and so I need to be able to understand how do I develop that grid to be able to see circumstances, situations, relationships, everything that happens in my life. Okay? So um, he says it's, it, the, the way to do this, um, he's already talked about, it, is, is through a true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ through a true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, Second um, Corinthians chapter ten verse five, Second Corinthians ten five. <clears throat> Anybody?
2: We are this.
0: Okay, so help me understand this verse. Okay, what is he saying? He equates speculations with every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. What does that mean? Thoughts? Fair to defend. Okay. Defend uh, the knowledge of God against these speculations and things raised up. These 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 lofty things raised up is interesting um, because what 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 he's what he's actually connecting the dots to is actually verse four, and he's saying that um, we have our warfare is not physical, fleshly; it's divinely, it's, divi- it's in the spiritual realm. And that um, these speculations in every lofty thing that are raised up against the knowledge of God actually are the fortresses or prisons in the previous verse. It's those prisons or those fortresses, I'll call them, uh, yeah, the, wh- wh- that people have been imprisoned, and their imprisonment is spiritual and it's of the mind. And, and he's saying, like, those are. Those are, not, those are the wrong knowledge. Those are things... And how do you define wrong? He says it here. That's raised up against the knowledge of God. Like, everything that... Every ideology that exists, every ology that's out there, right? Every ism that's out there, humanism, etc. All of those things that somehow come at and put in question who God is and what He's done are things raised up against the knowledge, the true knowledge of God, Right? And he's saying here that that that's a problem, and for a believer in Christ, we have to be renewed in our minds to be able to think rightly about things. And as a result, we can either keep on pushing these away, or we can pursue what really ma- what what is, which is a true knowledge of God. And as a result of doing this, we know this. And he's saying, like, we have to put we have to take our thoughts actually captive. I mean, this is one of the key things like even in counseling is like, like encouraging people to do is like um, it's, it's so easy to, re- to, to lean into the way I've, I think and act and make decisions um, pers- uh, hum- um, naturally. And, and, and this is one of the key things for us to, to encourage one another to do is like just because it comes naturally doesn't mean it's right. And like we need to think rightly and the only way we can think rightly is through the Scriptures and understand what the Scriptures teach us how to think. And that's what a knowledge of God is. That's what knowledge is. And the only way to get it is through the Scriptures and through a true knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's, that's what he says. And what's fascinating is in Colossians chapter 2, verse 2, he says, Knowing Christ has, has all the treasures that are hidden in, in, in eternity, is knowing Christ. And I like say, Wow. <laughs> How much of my physical, emotional, you know, strength in my life is is in alignment with that pursuit? Knowing Christ, that's what he says. True knowledge, like, that, yeah.
2: That battle in the mind is powerful. You know, even just in everything that I, you know, sort of been going through this year, I can I can just put my finger on the time where I've let my mind. Yes. Absolutely. Away from absolutely. Of these things and the truth, and it's just—I mean, you could you can where Eve went with yep. it. You can see all these. One time, places. just like that. <laughs> just stop. I mean, it's just like stop. Yeah. You know, I—I you, I mean, I've had to call up for some prayer on some things because it's like, who is this person thinking yeah. these things? Yeah. Because it's like this is not me. Yeah. Or you, know, where I've had to really take absolutely those thoughts. Because you could lead to some depression, yep. it can lead to poor choices, it can lead to like craziness. So like,
0: how, how how does one take every thought captive? How, how do you actually do that? I, I think this is just a quick. I mean, let's get some input on this. Of
2: yeah, you can mm-hmm.
0: yeah. And then how do you actually make like do the taking? Assuming you know what that should be.
2: That's true. I think he is. I was gonna say unless you know truth, you. And then when you recognize lie, you have to meditate, it out with truth, because you place those wrong thoughts
0: right with the right yeah. truth. Yeah, I so mean, you in, literally have to do that. In counseling, we call this putting on and putting off. It, and it, and it, it, you can't just put off. Uh, put off and put on. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, and so as we do that, like we have to put on something to replace the put off. It has to have that replacement there. You were gonna say something I was just gonna
2: say we are not gonna go exactly. gonna waste my time, exactly. it's not productive.
0: Exactly. And part of that um, impetus to do that, I think, um, comes back to this again, first and foremost thing, which is do I want, really want to please God or do I wanna please myself? Because, well, let me tell you, I don't wanna take it captive on sometimes. <laughs> you right, know? Exactly. And I don't like want I wanna let there. I wanna let this go a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I just, I know that, you know, uh, many years ago that Barb Wilson just had this stop, verse, pray, obey. Mm. You know, and it, I mean, there was times that I just knew I just had to stop. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, I had to talk out yeah. loud to myself, yeah. you know, and and uh, and apply God's word. And, and then, you know, it's that little wife, choice, yep. that little <laughs> point that I choose to go the and right way, and sometimes it is hard, and sometimes you don't want to do it no. that way. I and it takes time. It. It's just like what Paul talks about in Philippians four. We practice these things. Yeah, he knows it's not come that's to right. Yeah, very an much athlete. so. Yep. You know, you got to discipline yourself mm-hmm. to that end. So we're going
0: to talk a little bit more about that in the next one. Yeah. <laughs>
2: sometimes it's hard. So this
0: is. Uh, This is the truth properly understood and applied. Francis Schaeffer asked that question if you knew him, and some of his his writings and his videos was like, how then should we live? Like, knowing this, how then should we actually live our our lives? Um, The sense here is that I can't really understand life as we know it until I am in the process of having my mind illuminated and accurately enlightened about the real truth from the Scriptures. The real truth from the scriptures so it is in the it is the process of acquiring the mind of Christ um, that that gives me the ability to think rightly and to um, hold every thought captive so it is that process of acquiring the mind of Christ that that happens that way any last comments around knowledge again knowledge of God knowledge of Jesus Christ is what he's talking about here putting in place, as we said, a biblical worldview. Okay. Next is uh, self-control. Self-control, another word. It actually means to hold oneself in. I kind of like that one. That was interesting. (laughs) Hold oneself in. Um, It was used by athletes who sought self-discipline and self-restraint to master their bodies into submission. Turn with me to Galatians 5.18. Galatians five eighteen. <coughs> I'm going to read that. You are led by the Spirit, you
2: are not. Under-
0: okay, and then verses twenty three through twenty five says uh, he actually puts self control as one of these fruits of the Spirit. Right, and he says verse um, twenty four. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And so the concept here is like you know as we're in the process of saying no as we're in the process of disciplining ourselves as we're in the process of 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 self control or restraining ourselves from things that that matter not to do okay he says that that we're in the process of of demonstrating or learning what self control is is all about um, those uh, athletes would also abstain from rich foods, wine, sexual activity, um, in order to focus their strength. So it's not just about saying no in these in, in this framework of learning self-control. It's about focusing on the right things, back to what we just talked about, putting off and putting on. So as we do this, it's, the focus with all our strength is... Now, on what we just talked about, acquiring a true knowledge of Jesus Christ, and as a result, having the ability to understand, have wisdom accordingly. Make sense? Self-control. This is the discipline in our lives to make right decisions for the right reasons. Right decisions for the right reasons. Um, Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Verse 14. This is kind of what Sally was just talking about a second ago. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. Would somebody read that? Solid food is for the mature. Okay. So, um, for the mature, the ones who are becoming complete, growing in Christ, uh, who because of practice, again, discipline, self-control, okay, regimen... Have their senses trained to discern good and evil? They have the ability when something comes up to be able to to determine like what it really is, what, what what's there. Uh, I see this manifested many times in somebody who you just know, like like if you have an issue, like you can go to that person and like they'll they'll they, they really care about trying to. Uh, establish a godly point of view on that on that issue, and they 'll give you good wise counsel and they 'll many times won 't tell you what the right thing to do to do is, but they 'll give you an ability to think rightly about it and and help you navigate that that 's priceless that 's really worth worth everything so self control help make the right decisions decisions next one's perseverance twenty one times in the scriptures perseverance. Um, this literally um, uh, talks about patience and endurance in doing what's right in the midst of temptations and trials. And the interesting thing here, perseverance is manifested not just in a situation at one time, but usually over time, over a period of time. Um, I thought Macarthur did a really good job on this one too. Uh, let me just read this to you. That and he he quotes Barclay, and he says. Um, this word perseverance is the word hupomone, and it's translated patience, but patience is too passive of a word. Cicero defines potentia, its Latin equivalent, as, quote, the voluntary and daily suffering of hard and difficult things for the sake of honor and usefulness, end of quote. Didymus, Alexandria writes on, uh, Didymus of Alexandria writes on the temper of Job, quote, it is not that the righteous man must be without feeling, although he must patiently bear the things which afflict him. But it is true virtue when a man deeply feels the things he toils against, but nevertheless despises sorrows for the sake of God. Hupomone does not simply accept and endure. There is always a forward-looking to it. It is said of Jesus, what? That for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. That is hoopamone. Christian steadfastness is, is, is how you might de- really redefine it. It is the courageous acceptance of everything that life can do to us, and the transmuting of even the worst event into another step um, on the way to glory. Love that. I
2: have written down in here from study, it's human
0: time with God's eye. Oh yeah, that's, I like that. I like that. Or the situation with God's eyes. Yeah, yeah. yeah
2: and that's what sort of what it's Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh so steadfastness. Steadfastness. Um Okay, um I'm dude time, I'm gonna jump uh through these verses and I encourage you to look at those. Um next is godliness. Godliness. Oh, your fill on the blanks was temptations and trials. How's that? Sorry. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to make sure you didn't feel bad about it. <laughs> so godliness, this means reverence of God, reverence of God, or a high view of God. Those who have it properly honor God. They adore God. Um, you can tell from the way they talk about who God is in their lives. Um, so I want to I just frame this up. I've, I've given you a, a handout on this uh, to go deeper. Um, because uh, I thought it was really helpful. But when you look at godliness as kind of that middle target, so to speak, um, that is made up of God-centeredness and God-likeness. God-centeredness and God-likeness. So God-centeredness, this is about like um, focus, like where our focus is. God-likeness is becoming more like Him. Okay? Make sense? Yeah? God-centeredness, God-likeness. And God-centeredness um, paints the picture from the fir- first one, which is devotion to God. Devotion to God. Devotion to God. Secondly, communion with God. Communion with God. <clears throat> By the way, th- this, this, this part of this, we could go for two or three sessions on. Um, maybe four. Um, and the next one is worship of God. Worship of God. So, God-centeredness has three parts to it. Devotion to God, communion with God, and worship of God. Okay. Whoops. Um, Down here, God-likeness has two parts to it. Christ-like character and Christ-like conduct. Christ-like character and Christ-like conduct. So, who I am and what. What I do, right? That makes more like Christ who I am and what I do, and then last but not least, this thing is wrapped up from an application uh, from a practical perspective in, in a term that we call um, progressive sanctification, progressive sanctification. So this is about like becoming more like Christ. It's a journey that we're all on. none of us have arrived, all of us really fall down, and all of us are in, in process. So progressive sanctification. Everybody got those. Anybody still need up there. Progressive sanctification. So, becoming, focusing on who God is and becoming more like Him. Okay, that's the picture. Makes sense. Okay. Um, so why develop godliness? Why develop godliness? Paul instructed Timothy. Um, he says that uh, reverence towards God, this pursuit of God, this knowing God, this. Uh, putting him in high esteem is the highest priority for in our lives in both this world and for eternal value. It has two sets of value propositions: this world and eternity. I think all of us get eternity, but what 's the value proposition in this life? the present life so people can see. yeah last week if you if you weren 't here I encourage you to get it. I gave you about twenty different value propositions <laughs> like like that was just like the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> so I encourage you to go back and look at that because the value propositions are measurable. But most importantly, the results of them are contentment, joy, peace, thankfulness, gratitude, you know all of these things of which there, is no, there shouldn't be any throttle on any of them, let's say. <laughs> okay? A life centered on God will result in a passion to please Him. A life centered on God will, will, will um, result in a passion to please Him. A life centered on God will always result in Christ-like character, which pleases Him. Christ-like character will produce Christ-like conduct, which also pleases Him. And last but not least, the development of godliness in believers will grow as we see, quote, the day drawing near. development of godliness in believers is, is clearly set, uh, communicated in the scriptures that it will grow as we, quote, see the day drawing near. Some great verses here. I encourage you to go look at them one-on-one. But uh, why develop it? I mean, it really matters. It's worth everything. worth everything. Godliness. Spend a boatload of time on this one. Any other questions on this one? Okay, let's go to the last two then. Number six, brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness. Brotherly is used three times. Kindness is used 42 times. It is the horizontal uh, virtue that flows out of our vertical our vertical reverence for God in each area of our life. Did did everybody get the one before? I didn't want to leave somebody hanging. Did everybody get the the fill-in-bikes from before? Yeah, yeah, yeah? Okay. Um, So, brotherly kindness is the horizontal flow of the vertical reverence in God in every area of our life. Um, When you stitch these two words together, brotherly and kindness, they refer to our devotion or our affection for one another. Um, it's like our, our, our faction for one another. Um, uh, let's uh, take a look at um, a couple of verses here, real quick. First Peter chapter, no, let's first of all look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. It's not on here, but you can write it down. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 9 and 10. Somebody got that?
1: Brothers we loved, we do not need to write to you. yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. In fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers, to do so more and more.
0: Urge you to excel more and more in what? In loving one another. Um, look at First uh, Peter chapter one, verse twenty-two. Love this verse. Spent a lot of time on it when we looked at First Peter. First uh, Peter one twenty-two. Somebody got that.
2: Having purified your souls for a sincere brotherly love,
0: love one another from a pure heart. Earnestly. Don't hear that too often. <laughs> earnest. Be earnest in your, in, in your love. And, and it's like um, uh, New American says, fervently love one another from the heart. The idea is to exercise that muscle to full exhaustion in your expression of love for one another. There's lots of dimensions we can look at there, for sure. Brotherly kindness. Um, next one's love. 312. 312 times. Um, our desire to be devoted to one another flows from the love, which is the from love, which is the highest virtue of all. Again, we know love because he first loved us, right? I love because he first loved us. This is the sacrificial self. Selfless love of the will. So it is literally a love that decides uh, to love. It decides to love. So it's not like as though anything else. It's like not only I feel, not because of, not for their purpose. It's because I decide to love because I want to please God. That's really where it comes from. So it is sacrificial. It's selfless. Um. Love for others is inseparable from our love for God. They are directly proportional. Um, so, if we were to look at this, and and, and you kind of draw a tri- have a triangle going up here. You're like, and this is God up here. Like, as as my love for God grows, my love for others is going to grow. And if that's been dissipated, it's not going to be. It's going to be further apart, and we're going to be farther from you know, um, being like Christ. So that is, like, directly proportional, or back to Cheryl's illustration, you know, you keep, like, they go together. Um, you can't expect to have a love for God, according to John, at least, right? I mean, his whole letter was spoken about this, was like, unless you are loving one another. And so <clears throat> this this love is something that um, stems out of, he says, or grows out of, um uh, our reverence for God. Both both brother love and love uh, God's love grows out of our um, reverence for God in every hour of our life. So let me just summarize. You may want to write this down. I didn't put it in, in the notes, but if you want to, great. So in summary, let me just land the plane if I could. That is because we have been given everything we need for life and godliness along with God's love letter. So because this has been given to us, Okay. Um, second, we are in the process of diligently pursuing what God has prescribed for us. So because of this, as we dil- diligently pursue what God has laid out for us, which are these things, these seven virtues, Okay. most importantly, we will lavishly supply confirmation to our souls as to the assurance of our salvation. Back to what... what Marlene was asking, "We will lavishly supply confirmation to our souls as to the assurance of our salvation." And I love this picture. It's lavish love. You know, First John three one, right? Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we might be called children of the living God. Wow! Behold, what manner of love. So, as we're in this journey, this process of of understanding God's prescription for us, and in hot pursuit of these seven specific virtues, he says, by which, by the way, God's given us everything that we need to do this. Um, And he's furnished his love letter, the scriptures, his precious and magnificent promises. He says we will, our soul will become confident through that journey uh, as to our uh, the salvation of our souls. And so it's just going to become a confident underpinning in our life that will be manifested, I think, with the glory of God on, on your face, your countenance, your life, and be a testimony for Him. Amen? Amen.
1: Uh. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for our time, morning, consider. I pray that You would just invite us to put aside those, mm. help us down this path of these virtues, strengthen us, and just... Amen.
0: Have a wonderful day.